Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store. Today on the show, I get to talk with the lovely Kate Bowler. Kate Bowler is a New York Times bestselling author, a podcast host, a professor at Duke University. She studies the cultural stories we tell ourselves about success and suffering and whether or not we're capable of change. Her latest book, No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Needed to Hear, is so good, y'all. Kate hosts the Everything Happens podcast, where in warm, insightful, and often very funny conversations, she talks with incredible guests about what they've learned in difficult times. I think y'all are going to love getting to hear from Kate again. She's been on the podcast before and hearing her story today. It's really special. So here's my conversation with our friend, Kate Bowler. Kate, for starters, why are you in Nashville? Uh, I mean, cultivating an enduring friendship with you. Yeah. Well, hey, number one, of course. You have really nice malls too. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, just uh, just just for book stuff and for friendships. So, okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, how long are you here? Uh, till tomorrow. So you're just here for two days, just to see people and do shows and yeah, catch up with friends. That's exactly right. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. You've got great restaurants. It always makes me feel special being here. Yeah. I feel like you know when um, somebody like gets off an escalator at an airport and they get to like pull their roller bag behind them yeah. with a kind of like feeling. That's what, that's the you feeling feel I that here. You I feel do. that at our airport? How lovely. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a big <laughs> feeling I have. My feeling when I get off the plane here is like how fast, what's the fastest route to my car? That is my that yeah. is my feeling. What yeah. is the fastest route? I bet you a very speedy femur. Oh gosh. I bet you can Listen, get it. You get can it imagine. Done. You know what? An interesting thing about your book, No Cure for Being Human, that just came out yesterday. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm in conversations about my speed. Like I, yeah. I, I just move kind of fast all the time and it is not always beneficial. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Yeah. I would imagine in the journey you've been on the last few years, things like what your body is capable of doing. Yeah kind of come to the surface really quickly. Oh my gosh. That is, I mean, that is the one, that is the one hard limit on all of our lives is as much as mentally we want to be doing something else or doing something else. We're always like stuck in the, she said respectfully of her own body, Mm -hmm. stuck in the meat sack we're in. (laughs) And uh, I, uh, I think that's probably, I guess, because I've been trying to think about different sort of cultural stories we tell ourselves about how yeah. our lives work out. And one of them is I mean, is that's like, what both your books are. Yeah, it's like, right. here are the cultural stories you've told yourself. And <laughs> the whole first book was lies. Everything happens for a reason and lies I've loved. Yeah. And this one's no cure, cure for being human and other truths I needed to hear. That's right. Like, that's what you're doing is you look at what culture tells us and you say, I'm going to tell you whether that's true or false. I love thinking about those little stories because so often, like, for example, like in the first, it, like everything happens for a reason or for like this one is you can always hustle your life. Yeah. Like the one we're maybe secretly always trying to undo is yeah. the idea that f- faster, better, more efficient, more, more, more. And then, and then there's just, and and there's always like a little bit of wisdom in every mm. cultural story we get. There's that little wow. bit of like that little gem. And for me, hustle taught me how to like taught me how to hope. It taught me yeah. how to try. And like coming from the plains of Manitoba, right. <laughs> where I'm from, <laughs> with like seven month winters and just a lot of sort of um, little house on the prairie feelings. Yeah, I did always want to try in my life, but then. You know, when I suddenly was diagnosed with stage four cancer, I was, I think that was maybe one of the first sort of shocks I got, which is that there wouldn't always be more runway. Right. One of the first things, I tagged this in the book, where you said, 
Um, I wish someone had told me that the end of a life is a complex equation. Years dwindle into months, months into days, and you must begin to count them. I mean, A, you're such an unbelievably good writer. Thanks, Han. But but that's the idea, right? Is yeah. that this is really complex. Yeah. How to count our days. Yeah. Yeah, because then the second we start to well, I, I, I guess because when I got sick, I kind of wondered, am I am I just thinking about um, grief or sadness or mortality? And I realized, no, no, no. I think I'm just trying to get my mind around what adds up to that feeling of enough mm-hmm. in our lives mm-hmm. the second you start to count it. Yeah. And that feeling even of minutes, it kind of, you know, I was trying to get over being a hustle monster. Yeah. And then the second I felt like, oh, crap, my life's on a watch, yeah. it really did just kick me back to wanting to move faster. Yeah, I would think so. And so for the first, I don't know, year, I have, I mean, I just— Of a two-year diagnosis, right? That's, yeah. That blew my mind in the book. I don't remember that you telling me that in real life, that the doctor said yeah. two years. Yeah, the first, I, like I was a—it was fall when I was first. It was like, oh, you, like, you have no cancer in your family, and now that's it. And and then I, I remember them thinking like June, June would be it. And so it was my, it was like my first, um, it felt like it was my first fall and my last fall. Yeah. Like I started just looking at the leaves and being like, oh my gosh, is this, is this the last time I'm going to see the leaves turn? Right. And instead of like, well, maybe take a nap or maybe just slow it down for a second, be one of those people that just live in the moment. Right. Those people seem great. <laughs> I, I, I don't just even like, know any of them, but I hear, I hear things are going well for them. <laughs> I was like, great, 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 fast, fast, fast. Uh-huh. And so I, I I was like just contemptuous of people who did puzzles in the cancer center, yeah. even though I want I wanted to do puzzles in the cancer center. What were you doing while they were doing puzzles? I wrote a book. I mean, not really? even like my sad book. That right. was just I, I wrote a whole other like a like a monster I love history. That one. Yeah. Wait, are you talking about the one about women and <laughs> yes. yeah, that's it. Uh, say the title of it for it's me. It's called The Preacher's Wife. That's right. And it's just about wife. how, you know, women don't usually get to lead. They have to be either the wife or in some. Yes. And so instead of, I don't know, maybe slowing it down for a hot minute. Yes. I, and this is actually something that I. That's when we of, met. You when you did. were doing research for The Preacher's Wife. Annie, and things I remember about that moment. Oh, no. One, I got to come backstage and meet you and I felt really special. I felt special too. I loved it. You ordered a London Fog drink, and I thought I'd never heard of that before. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And since then, I have ordered it several times. Yes, girl. With like a just mildly artificial British accent. Yep. And um, and you said, I, I want to treat everybody like a real friend. And that made me realize that like hospitality is one of the most important things that any of us can do if we decide to actually, I don't know, serve in any way. Yeah. So like that all, that all really, really stuck with me. And we me. sat in a um, – I remember thinking – I'm really glad that I got to say yes to this and meet her because I was like, she's very good at this. And I remember we sat in like a locker room in the <laughs> back was, of an yes, arena. It was. it was. It was a really smelly locker yeah, room. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, we sat on those thin benches yes, where I think people yes. put jerseys on. So so you're sitting in the cancer ward getting your chemo yeah. and you're writing A Preacher's Wife. Yeah. I was like, I guess that was kind of maybe the first fork in the road I had for like because, you know, at first there's just the crisis. Mm-hmm. I've got cancer. I'm terrified. I was 35, so it's yeah. 2015. Okay. 
And oh yeah, we're exactly. You're like a month older than me. I'm July seventh, and you're June yeah. sixth. Oh my or, gosh, right? you're so good. I'm June sixteenth. Sixteenth. I remember it was in the book. Stop it was it. June sixteenth. We're so close. <laughs> yeah. Same grade. Okay, so it was. Yeah. You were diagnosed in 2015. It was like a and there's a big crisis. Everything's a crisis. Everyone's like making food. Everyone's stressed out. Everyone's like everything feels heightened. Yeah. And then I realized, well, I mean, there's one thing to manage your life as a crisis, but then. But then, like, the question is, well, then what are you supposed to do with your actual life? Yeah. Like— Because everyone else is handling things. Yes. You said—I love this line, too. My house is a hive of people trying to save my life by doing errands. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Kate, you're so good at writing. So funny. But that's why everybody's in crisis mode. And then you're just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I guess, because there's only so long that you can— sort of thank everyone for being there. I always tried to have these meetings and always ended up being like, does everyone have enough towels? Like, I was <laughs> never, like, like, getting to the existential heart of the question. But I, I had this really weird problem because I was just at a moment in my life slash career that I had spent in everything on one mm. career. And, like, being a professor is one of those jobs where there's, like, only two stops on that train. Right. There's the one where you get off, and then there's 10 years later. Right. Like you get off the train and you're right. like, do I have a job? Hmm. Is this, is this, yeah. can I make enough? Just, I mean, not even like d- dentist money. We're right. talking about, like, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. Why 10 years? Is that when tenure happens? Well, you get like, um, you finish your PhD, which right. usually takes six, like seven or eight years. And then I just gotten a job and I had had to write a first book out mm-hmm. of that. And so I really, when I, when I got diagnosed, I realized, gosh, I have, this was supposed to be the year where I finish up a second book yeah. and get to keep my job for life. Right. And then I was like, well, like what life? Like if I don't wow. get to live, is this is this really how I should be spending my time? Yeah. Writing some wonderfully obscure like topic that I really care about and like Right, is but it's really interesting. <laughs> oh, thank you, Annie. Yes. Well, that's because A, you love me and mm-hmm. B, we both care a lot about women in ministry, yeah. but mostly those books sell like library copies. Uh, yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm rocking like a 500 right. copy run. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's it. And I'm like, that's it. And I pay for my own pictures if it goes in there. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. It's just, it, the, the, the point is always just to write this history that you expect to last 20 years. And I was like, well, if, that, if that's the choice, and the choice isn't that everyone's going to read it or right. many people or right. – and the, then the choice isn't, well, I'm trying to keep a job because I, you know, won't necessarily live long enough to do it. What is worth doing anyway? Right. And then I I, I think that has been like kind of a, a beautiful question for me is like what's a job and what's a calling? Hmm. What does God give us to do? Right. And then what – because what would, what would we do if we had to do it anyway? I feel like yeah. the opposite of the lottery question. Yes. What would you do if you had a million dollars? What if you do it with zero dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like a year to fill. Yes. It turns out I want to write a history book. Yes. And you and you keep living. Yeah. Uh, so I have a weird question about that, if that's okay. Yeah. Is there a tension that they keep telling you shorter amounts of time and you keep beating it? Is there a tension of like, yeah. okay, here we are in the second summer when they told me my body, is my body giving out? No, my body's living. Yeah. Oh, wait, I made it to Christmas. Is this my last Christmas? Yeah. Do you, is that a weird question? It, no, that is, and that I think is a really like a, a it's a perfect pandemic question too, because everybody's right. in these like weird <laughs> fits and starts right. of their lives. Right. And I started thinking of it as like, short-term horizon. So what can you imagine in like a season? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, we're in whatever 
pumpkin spice latte season is. Right, and that's right. how long it lasts. <laughs> right, and when that's right. over, the season's over. Right. And then there's kind of medium-term horizons where you're like, hey, maybe I'd love to – maybe this is a trip or maybe this is a – I'm committing to this balayage. Like whatever mm-hmm, it right, is, there's right. kind of a medium-term. And then there's this long-term <laughs> vision, whatever, where you're like, you know, like I did. am I the kind of person who mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. jumps out of a plane or sees the pyramids or yeah. whatever? And immediately the long-term vision was just gone. Wow. I was like, well, I don't know who gets to go to Egypt, but it yeah. is not me. Yeah. But I did, I guess, I think – I think with the – because I always had these scan intervals and first yeah. it was two months and then I'm on a six-month scan schedule. And yes. It means like I have to be really clear about setting medium-term horizons and then just being that able to so reset them. Yes. But it does honestly make me sort of confused sometimes because I'm doing really well. I keep doing really well. But every now and then it will be 2 a.m. I'll be like, am I okay? Am I okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, how can, and how would I know? Right. How, it's like you can feel. Yeah. You who have can, like a Who can tell alarm. me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, there, is it you? Is it you? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Right, right. I get, yeah. It, I find that maybe the most emotionally and spiritually difficult part mm. of, I guess like, I guess what we're describing is just chronic uncertainty. Yes. Oh, that's a great phrase. I said to someone today, in another area of my life, for the first time in months, I know what to do for two days. Yeah. And for two months, I've known what to do for one day. And I said, she said, your eyes look so like sober, like you're so serious. I was like, I know what to do for two days. Yeah. And I haven't known what to do for two days in months. Yeah. And and so that that chronic uncertainty is very draining. Yes. Well, and I thought as a good Christian, mm. that, like, faith could solve that problem yes. because people who are faithful are not afraid. Mm-hmm. Or And then people would say, like, but trust God. And I was always like, yes, totally. Love God. Big fan. But yeah. also, like, trust God to do what in this scenario? Yeah. Like, make me not mortal. Make life always certain. Right. And then I was like, well, I, I think I need to maybe redefine the terms a little bit. And Thank God people have, like, and that, that's where I think community and church and the joy of getting to do lovely things, yeah. it, that's what made me realize that, like, faith to me feels a lot more like love mm. and a lot less like certainty. Yeah. Oh, that's it. It, it, it. Certainty to me has shown itself to be a very untrustworthy lover. Yes. Right? Yes. Where it's like, no, you you said you would do, you said, you seem so... Up yeah. close to me and so comfortable, but you're not trustworthy. Yeah. Yes. It is a fickle, fickle little friend. Right. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't really care what my plans are and is right. not very interested in my in my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Certainty will lie to you and say, yeah, you're going to get everything. I mean, that is oh, what this totally. whole book is. No cure for being human. Yeah. You just list over and over things that we're kind of told were guaranteed. Yeah. And, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. That's what we're told, you know, will happen. And and your whole book is going like, here's what is true about that. Yeah. But certainty is trying to tell you that's always true. Oh, my gosh. And certainty is just not certain. No. And I'm like, I'm, oh, even you saying that, it really, it gives me like goosebumps because like, like I, I miss it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I miss that. And I always, you know, I think I'm sure we run into lucky people all the time. And sure. they seem very certain. And certainty you know, looks a lot like faithfulness. It looks a lot like confidence. It looks a lot like success. And I I guess I'm hoping maybe instead of certainty for like a little bit more just courage, like courage to see the world as it is, to love people how they are, to like allow there to 
the world to be a little more, like there's that gorgeous um, Frederick Buechner quote, that pastor who always said mm-hmm. lovely, annoyingly lovely things. Yes. And he would say things like, um, this is the world, beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Yes. And I was like, well, I will be afraid, but <laughs> everything else is like exactly, you know, I like the angels always show up and they're like, don't be afraid. You're right. Like, it's because they must have been terrified. You must be the scariest <laughs> things ever. If the first thing you say when you walk, if don't Peter be, walked in the door and said, don't be afraid, I'd have been like, why is Kate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is Kate? She has a knife. Yeah, she's she must so have scary. a knife. Something must be scary if Kate's leading with, don't be afraid. <laughs> Instead, you said, I'm here. And we said, yay, let's go. Um, talk about the idea, chronic uncertainty. Is that is that in your book? Is that a thing you carry? Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't see it. That, no. So, no, that's just a that's just a thing I think about. I mean, that is such a that is such an important I, I find myself in life, and maybe this is our age, <laughs> but I found myself in life going like cling really tightly to the things that are true. Yeah. I know that sounds no, that's good. but the but chronic uncertainty is very true. Yeah. And like, okay, things things are gonna be hard. That is just true. Yeah. And so have what are some things that you are even today like you're like holding on to as true? Yeah. Oof. What a nice question. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. My dad loves when people say that. So I'm always very <laughs> grateful when someone said that in a show. Also, can we whisper thank you to each other? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just <laughs> it would be at any time. I think it would be nice. Thank you. <laughs> I um well I guess true things are like we are not invincible. Yeah. I don't love it. But it's true. Yeah, we're um, mortal. When you said that earlier, I kind of went like, oh. oh, right. Yeah. We're actually all mortal. Yeah, that's right. Right. It, it always feels like like I'm that person at the party. It's like, <laughs> like, a, like a toddler's birthday like, party. Oh, that's Kate's like, here, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to remind us that we're all going to die. I, I do. I just want to be that person for everybody. On, it's your lane. On, we all have our lane. A little Wyatt's birthday party. <laughs> Blow out the candles, sweetie. And maybe you're... <laughs> It's just a gift I give. We're grateful. We're grateful. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Olive and June. Y'all know this about me. I do not like it when my fingernails are not painted or when I'm mindlessly picking off my nail polish on one finger. I'm always scurrying to cover it up with a good coat of glitter nail polish. But my preference is always just to have a manicure. The challenge is that I'm not exactly an expert. Uh, would definitely fall in the amateur category at painting my own nails. I try, but they end up looking not great and chipping pretty much immediately. But the alternative is forking over a lot of money and spending a lot of time I don't have to get regular salon manicures. But here to save the day, Olive and June's Manny System. Do-it-yourself manis that look salon perfect and last over seven days are actually possible, you guys. Olive and June's Manny System comes with everything you need for impeccable DIY manis. And it's all in one box and only five steps. It comes with a poppy, this flexible, easy-to-grip brush handle that fits on any of their bottles of polish. And since it's so easy to grip, it steadies your hands and makes it so easy to paint with both hands. That means both hands end up with smooth, perfectly manicured nails instead of one looking great and the other not so much. The Manny system with six polishes breaks down to only $2 per Manny, y'all. I mean... 
Come on. We spend more than like $35 on just one gel manicure, right? And the Olive and June polish is amazing. I love the color options. I'm very partial to this deep purpley blue shade called OMG. The polish, especially with their signature top coat, is so shiny. It looks just like gel and it doesn't chip. It lasts a whole week. I know. It never happens. My nails look great, last for days, and I did them myself. The Olive and June Manny System is the secret behind salon perfect nails at home. All in one, no guessing, no messy nails, no salon price tag. And as one of my friends, you can get 20% off your first Manny System at oliveandjune.com with my code, that sounds fun. Your new nail life is here, friends. Get 20% off your first Manny System when you use the promo code, that sounds fun at oliveandjune.com. We're done with expensive, bad manicures. This is the new us, okay? oliveandjune.com and the code is, that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Kate. You know, <laughs> I, um, I, I believe that like, I do believe that people are, people are magic. I mean, it's yeah. one of the like, just most consistent experiences I have of God and the Holy Spirit really is just that, is that there's these little, you know, and that's the feeling I guess of, being overwhelmed by minutes is like the idea that everything's finite and everything feels like it's, you know, shrinking. And and people just have this way of turning like minutes into moments. Mm. And then all of a sudden it just like stretches out in front of you. And, and then you get to hear about like somebody's dumb whatever or right. their Aunt Linda's something rather. And right. then, then the world is magic again. Right. And so, yeah, I'm a giant believer that people are magic. And um, and just that most of the, the, I guess some of the other ones that I feel like I'm hoping Christians, yes, <laughs> respectfully, yes. lovingly, yes. will um, stop being as confused about is the idea that positivity is the same thing as faith. Mm-hmm. You know that we're people of hope, like yeah. hope that we're drawn into a story that isn't ours. Like God is telling a story about us and about the world that is for the salvation of all time. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. Like, no big deal. Just a cosmic right. story. Right. But it's not always the same as bright-siding people's problems or saying yeah. that everything's – we know how everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it will be okay in, a, in like, a deep, deep way. That's but that's right. kind of, like, God's truth. It's right. It's not always, like, the thing we get to, like, saddle other that's right. people with. That's right. So I I love that thought of hearing hearing – I'm you know me. I'm a seven. I'm a. I'm, I'm positive on accident. Like that is just like, oh, did, did someone not show up? I bet they're planning a surprise party for us. Like that is like my, what my brain does, right? So that is my natural bent. Is probably things are going to go better yeah. than I think they are. I bet yeah. things are just probably going to go better. But I have had to wrestle with positivity and faith. So what does it look like to? We've talked a lot recently. I feel like this is a theme the Lord is kind of bringing up front for all of us about. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, but certain of what you don't see. Yeah. So without having to like pull yourself up by your bootstraps That's right. with positivity, how do we be full of faith? Yeah. Well, I guess, and if you don't mind like a, like a, I get to put my historian I want hat. You do you mind if I, I just like I want your professor. Is this where I call you Dr. <laughs> yes, Kate Yes, please. Yes. Uh, this you. is a question for Dr. Kate Bowler. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, uh, well, I think, um. Part of the way that Christianity started to use more and more like positivity, like emotion therapy language, yeah. it starts, it really takes off in the 70s. And more and more Christian language started to take on the same language as self help. 
Yes. And so we began then to equate our faith with feelings Mm. or having then certain feelings. And so then all of a sudden we're like, if there's a wide range of human emotion from like despair to joy, then we're people who scream, choose joy at one another. Yes, yes. Literally (laughs) screaming at each other. You're right. And instead of allowing, you know, like Jesus on the cross to feel abandoned or Mm -hmm. to weep for a world that isn't yet, you know, and and a lot of it is social media and a lot of it is just – you know, my other intellectual obsession, but the rise of the prosperity gospel. Yes. And and somewhere along You have a book there, about that too, right? It is called Blessed. Blessed. And that's because it was not a popular hashtag at the time. And they just <laughs> let me title it that. So I got I it on it. the, had I just bought the website, oh, Annie. really? I, just, I know. Well, you'd have brought your own plane here. That's for sure <laughs> that's true. Right. That's right. We could tape this. That's right. We could have taped this from my plane. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, I just, we have all these different strains of Christianity, therapeutic Christianity, um, what I think of as Instagram theology, prosperity gospel. They all kind of, and really What do you consider Instagram theology? Oh. Compared to prosperity gospel. Yeah. I would just, um, because we now have to perform our emotions in front of crowds Mm. that we imagined or real, that we um, took on more and more of the... The, the work of entertainment culture. Yeah. And so, I mean, even just like, you know, when when people's social media feeds become, quote, personal branding, yes. it does make it hard to have, say, like, grieving the loss of or days that feel feel impossible mm-hmm. or it's just um, a lot. A lo- the wider spectrum of human emotion doesn't read well visually and it certainly doesn't make us wow. feel special or... Yeah. You know, yeah. we want to be known, but then we're so terrified of what it would be like if we were, mm-hmm. especially in the mediums that are available to us. And I think all of that kind of combines to create this very, very performative faith. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we're hypocrites if we feel that way. I think we all feel that way. Yes. But I do think there's more and more pressure, and I would say especially on women, to to equate faith with with a performance of joy. Wow. And like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I started being like, is that is that how we are? Because I, so I, I love that I work with other like theologians and because you're like, still a professor at Duke. Yeah, right? I just yes. wander around the hallways at Duke Divinity School asking people for advice about stuff like this, and yeah. I'm like, should I feel joy more than I do? Is like, what does joy look like as a Christian? And yeah. and the beautiful answers that they were giving me. They were like, well, as Augustine says. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, thank you. They're like, after life, his work's memorized. Let me... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, in the fourth book, oh, crap, right, I've never... Right. But, I, but what they were saying was like, it's a... As a fruit of the Spirit, it really kind of comes on us like a gift. Hmm. It's, like a, it's like a surprise and a present. Yeah. It's not necessarily something that we muscle our way into by trying to perform it all the time. Right, so right. I have felt joy... Right, you know, right after a surgery when I was hurt and scared and didn't have great odds. Mm -hmm. And then I, but I could feel really the overwhelming love of God in other people. And I was like, holy crap, that's joy. Like I didn't muscle this up. Right. Like, thank you, God. Like that, that, that is like just God's little glitter, you know, on us. Yes. But um, it's not the same thing as like muscling our way through, telling other people they're not allowed to be sad. Like, yeah. I would just love it if we could kind of lift that burden off of ourselves a little and just be a, a little more honest. I think God will meet us there. Yes. When you are 
are you so right now you're you were in Canada yeah, for a lot of COVID. I, or, I thought it would be a great idea yeah. to go home for a year to Canada where I'm from for the pandemic. Yeah. With and your I, family, right? Yeah. Your husband and your kid put came my, with you. Put my kid in French school the way I grew up. Uh-oh. We wore ski pants for like yes. six months. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> I am I am not more attractive in that season, in that endless season, let me but tell you. But comfy <laughs> yeah. and warm. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. like wearing a giant uh, onesie. For right. Him. Right. For most of a year. Right. Yeah. And so now back in North Carolina, back at Duke, and everybody's yeah. back at school. Yep. And teaching, they, yeah, I'm just using my professor voice a lot. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Do your students know your story? I, well, so right now I'm teaching, um, I get to teach the history of the prosperity gospel. Oh, my and gosh. So, An entire class. Yeah. I'm like, hey, guys. That's awesome. We're doing this a lot. And yeah. so. At the very end, they have this actually a really fun assignment called, she said of her own class, yes, sorry yes, for yes. complimenting myself, <laughs> but I think it's great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's called the Not Prosperity, Prosperity Gospel. So they have to look around in their life and think of something like the way I, I do in my own life. Where yeah. I'm like, wow, I thought I could outwork this. I thought I could. And they have to find a thing that isn't technically you know, like Joel Osteen. Yes. But it feels like the Prosperity Gospel. So um, the presentation I, I heard the other day, one did um, – uh, the Cubs believing that it's always going to be and that their oh faith gosh. can create a, a victory. But that was so I would love, <laughs> you can't know how much I would love to hear because every year I think Georgia Bulldogs are going to win the national championship, including us sitting right at this table right now. Yes. I'm like, oh, this is our year. But only this is our year. your faith can make it so. Yes. But it, but if I don't believe, <laughs> yes, yes. Listen, exactly. you, I mean, one of our coworkers buys a new shirt every Stop. season and does not change the shirt until they lose because <laughs> what we wear determines how the season goes. I I would have loved to hear that presentation is what I'm saying because I have a lot of sports <laughs> theology that is very not godly. <laughs> You're like, and this is a confession now? This yes. is deeply problematic. <laughs> Dr. Bowler, I I am not a not a wow. not a pastor, but I promise. So when that, that guy or girl gets up, it could be either, gets up and says <laughs> that about the Cubs. Is there emotion in yeah. that presentation? Yeah. Well, I guess we're all kind of confessing that all along we all have these ideas that if we just figure out the formula, mm-hmm. then it's all going to work out. Mm-hmm. And so at the very end, I'll I show them my like very sad TED talk where I'm yeah. like, because my because that is my it's just my testimony. Yeah. Like I really did try to save myself. It I thought it was going pretty well, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then right. and then when my life came apart, I had to. I had to I had to figure out that like God's love, all these other beautiful things are mm-hmm. really that my life is not really mostly going to be determined by the things I choose. It's right. going to be the things that happen to me. Right. That's terrible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I read that I was like, "No, oh, man, she's right. I don't like it." <laughs> That is, Could I every time I write something? Would you mind just would you mind just sending me a voicemail? It's like that's terrible. That's ta- I will. I'll, I'll be like, you're such a beautiful writer and a beautiful friend, and that is terrible what you just told me. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also really, and you know this from our real life. I mean, I really need you. I need, I need your voice. I I've needed your books to say like, there is a way to be hopeful and not deceiving yourself. Yeah. Right? Because you find that a lot of times we tie our hope to self-deception. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And I think hope can just be things, prayers like, God, let me see the world as it truly is. Mm. And like that can include, God, let me see, you know, the 
the structures that break in our lives, personal sin, structural sin, evil. Like, let me see the world as it is. And also, God, let me see the world as it is. Like, you are saving it. You are are pulling us into a future Mm -hmm. where there will someday be a time and a place where there will be no more tears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, so just God, let me let me just see the world as it is. Yeah. A lot of our, for everyone listening, has something they want that they don't have. Like yeah. all of us do. Every person. And so for the person who wants something that they don't have, yeah, there are two paths. There is the, yeah, you should probably give up on that because of your age or your life place or where you live or what's happened or yeah you should probably give up on that and then there is the other path of like believe no matter what tie yourself to the mast of this ship and go yeah where do you fall on that spectrum oh Annie I love you so much for knowing that this is I think this is exactly like the existential question Uh that we have and we have it not just like in our like a like a bucket list feeling, we just have it in the morning. Yeah, where they're right. like, "Is it? it am I going to be the person that says anything is possible, mm-hmm. or am I going to be the person that says nothing is possible?" Right, <laughs> right. And like, I I know based on my intellectual work and my own experience that it can't be that everything is possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is possible in. I mean, salvifically in Christ. And they're right. really just talking about the resurrection. I'm really, right. I'm happy for all of us in a deep way, but that doesn't mean like. <laughs> right. Keep it in yeah. context, let's everybody. Just, yes. Just, yes. Or, and like, and, and we can't be people who are fatalistic and despairing. Right. And so I think the language I'm hoping for is, and this is what I think a lot about limited agency. Agency just okay. being the ability to choose. Yeah. And like limited agency is like finding that little space between those two poles. Mm-hmm. And I think it looks a little bit more like, so then what is possible today? Today. Just let's live in our dumb finitude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there is no cure for being human, as you say. We'll just whisper it to one another, right, but right. not when we're trying to run a 5K. That's when we need to be anything is possible, right, people. Right, right, right. Yeah. One of my coworkers here, Fallon, we had this long conversation a couple of weeks ago, and we talked, we just did a podcast on singleness a few weeks ago. Yeah. And Fallon and I talked about this before that about like, how would you live today if you knew God was going to answer your deepest prayer tomorrow? Yeah. So when you think about this with the limited agency. Yeah. If everything's going to change tomorrow in any direction, yeah, and where you get exactly what you want, or you get a phone call that someone you love is no longer here, or you know, mm-hmm. it, it could go in any direction. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to lean toward he's going to answer our greatest prayer oh, tomorrow, absolutely. right? So I'm going yeah. to I'm going to go on the anything's possible just because it's a more fun thing, but it could be in any direction. Yeah, if we knew God was going to change everything tomorrow, what would you do today? Yeah, well, right, and that isn't that like the and that's a question we all. Always have to ask when we pray. Like, wh- right. how could we pray if? Yes. And so I know that I pray for God. I'd love to not have cancer. I'd just love it yeah. if you could just make me healthy and pain free and give me. Are you in pain? I'm like I have I have chronic pain stuff. Oh, I didn't. Know and that. so I just have a lot I'm sorry, of. Sorry, I hugged you so tight. Oh, and I loved it. Okay, <laughs> I was like, it probably gave me just a light chiropractic adjustment, which I needed. I just was which very I happy needed, to see you. and I was happy to see you. <laughs> But like, I mean, I and I chronic pain makes me. I did not know that. It makes me scared because I don't want if because pain meds make you foggy, and I love. Yeah. I just love my. I love my brain. I, I love, love going. Well, rights. I just need to go someplace with it. Yeah, you know that's all. Right. That's what I need for my brain. Right. So if I if I could pray for anything, just 
for myself, I would pray to be healthy. Yeah. But, and I do, because I do believe that it is, that it is always possible that yes. God can change anything. Yes. Genuinely. I spent I enough- like that language. Oh. Anything's possible versus always possible. It's, yeah. It's always possible. Yeah. And anything is possible, but we don't camp there, but it's yes. always possible. I think that's beautiful, Kate. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, honey. I, I, well, I was, you know, this reminds me though of this lovely conversation I had with um, Jerry Sitzer. Do you know him? No. He had this very famous book that I think all of our parents read yeah. on grief because he had lost. He lost most of his family in a tragic car accident. Oh, wow. And so people turned to him to, to ask the questions of why and what now. And, mm-hmm. and he said something really sort of um, touching and hard the other day. He said, um, like, even, even Lazarus, like, even the one who's risen, who's, like, who's pulled out of the grave, you know, from Jesus, like, really only gets, like, has to die again. Right. You know, right. like it, every every miracle he was saying gently is a temporary reprieve, mm. and I think that kind of helps so me believe as much in miracles as then finitude. Because yeah. like, okay, so like let's let us pray for the things that like that make our lives beautiful and joyful and glad yeah. in our glad in our hearts. You know, yeah. Yeah. and also. Like every, everything is, every, every miracle is also just like a little firefly. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for both, I guess. Yeah. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about a great new book from Baker Ravel Publishing called You On Purpose. What if I told you that the idea we've all heard that you can be anything you want to be isn't totally true? In their new book, You On Purpose, Discover Your Calling and Create the Life You Were Meant to Live, Dr. Stephanie Shackelford and Bill Denzel break down common myths about calling to reveal the truth. Instead of you can be anything you want to be, they help us learn that your context shapes your calling. With intentionality and for God's purposes, He has placed you in a specific location, situation, and time in history. I hear from so many of you who find yourself at crossroads moments and are looking for clarity about major life decisions. If you need a way forward through a career change or are trying to discern any career at all, the clear and simple four-step process outlined in You on Purpose can serve as your trusted guide. Use the code TSF. Four zero at bakerbookhouse.com to get 40% off you on purpose plus free shipping in the U.S. That's TSF40 at bakerbookhouse.com. And now back to our conversation with Kate. That's it. When you talked earlier about being a mortal, that was the idea that started spinning in my head, but I didn't have any of that language for it of like, oh yeah, every healing is only until we are not healed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to study like healing rallies and so I was always sitting with people who were waiting to be healed, sitting yeah. people in wheelchairs. Did you do that before you got diagnosed? Mm-hmm. I did for years. Oh, okay. And then when I like I have You're like jokes on me. I have, Oh my gosh. And then when I got sick, they were oh like moths gosh. to a flame. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they were so excited that I was about to experience a miracle. And I don't, I think all my time around people who are desperate for miracles has been really good for me. Yeah. Because I I see the, I guess one of the things I love about that mindset is um, I have seen people just delight 
in the tiniest little details of their life and be like, hey, guess where God was today yeah. on this walk? Yeah. And I I love the feeling that our lives just matter so much and every yes. little, you know, that like our our specificity is like kind of gorgeous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. And gorgeous. Yes. Um, so I love that. I think the part that was really gave was very eye-opening is watching people who were not healed constantly experience their own lives as failures. Watching people who are not healed constantly experience their own lives. It's like, yes. Oh, I had to think about it for a second. But yeah, because when they walked away, if yeah. they did not get healed in the way they w- thought the expectation was on the chair in the front side. Yeah. Yeah. What a I've seen people in hospitals refuse to allow their loved ones to pass. I've al- I've seen people pray for resurrection at a funeral. Right. I mean, things in which when people can't let go, mm-hmm. they can't let us be finite it 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 is like it becomes a tragedy, yeah. And then hope becomes a poison. Mm. And I think like finding. But hope. then there are people who are raised from the dead, Kate. I'm like not not that I've seen. Not that I've seen in the funerals I attended. That's right. Same same <laughs> same same. But you hear the stories, right? So it's this weird yeah. juxtaposition yeah. of yes, open hands and let go, or mm-hmm. keep praying. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean. Like in the in the in the people I've like studied and interviewed that were sort of leaders that I mean there's the 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 kind of um I guess the way that we I'm just thinking of all these like really sad versions where people promised yeah. that they could raise yes. people from the dead oh, and of course gosh. and it was I mean the I'm just thinking of an example where the 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 U.S. Postal Service had to contact a prosperity preacher and ask him to stop making those promises because people were mailing them oh, coffins gosh. is the actual oh, truth of that story. I guess the thing that I feel like is most kind of loving about what we do with hope is we have to be really careful stewards of it. Mm. We just have to be really responsible with each other's mm-hmm. hope, like really tender with it yes. instead of like throwing our certainties or expectations or right. and allowing people's pain to kind of take up as much space as it needs yeah. to before yeah. we're like throwing our solutions right. and imagining right. that like right. well, God God has to. Mm-hmm. It those arguments always work like God is good and therefore. Mm-hmm. And like I it's a it's a beautiful thought. Yeah. But like the world is also not yet. Yes. You know, and it's okay that we live here like this. It really is. I mean, in the Francis Chan does this beautiful example of a very long rope and how very short our lives are and the very long rope of eternity, right? Like one of those pictures. Yeah. But it has helped me to go like, if this life hurts for a hundred years, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it now it doesn't feel good today. Yeah. But if it hurts for a hundred years and we're doing what matters and we and and yeah, we we are loving God as best we can and loving our people. Then okay, yeah. Like I don't love that. Hear me clear. This is one of the truths that I have had to embrace, not because I like it, but of like okay, if I'm lonely for a yeah. hundred years, yeah, okay, yeah, hun, that's right. good, right? Yeah, we'll be all right. Yes. And so, and so I just think there's there's got to be, and yet the and yet I'm mm-hmm. such a I'm an and person, so my and would be. And I am. I also want to be known for hope. Yes. Like I know what God can do mm-hmm. for all of us, for your body, for mm-hmm. my body, for our friends that we care about. How do you balance when other people want to believe and have hope for you? Yeah. Well, I'm always great. I guess it. I guess the the real answer is it depends. Yeah. Uh, I would say Fair. there's a big spectrum of the way people 
have hoped for me or hope for other people. One version, which I've always really annoys me, is they're just so polite that they wouldn't, they can't possibly hope. Mm. I think because they're a little embarrassed. Yeah. Like, well, what if I hoped for something for you and it doesn't come true? Yes. And I always wondered if certain Christian traditions would be fine if I just died very politely, just very <laughs> quietly, very politely. <laughs> Good. That didn't. We don't have to think about that anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're no, like, oh, that's so not sorry. my yeah. tradition. I'm not going to let either of us yeah. die quietly. And then there's the, um, you know, sort of almost like irresponsible language that people yeah. use about other people's pain where – because they because they don't necessarily want to have a wider bandwidth for reality, they they say things that are really, really painful for people who mm-hmm, are suffering. Mm-hmm. Like if you have faith then, or like imagine right. a formula and oh. then and then you just have to. So I've been given every possible list. I've been given oh gosh. I mean I'm ready. we're like a whole whole spectrum. Yeah. From uh, you have to this only this particular person of prayer can heal you. You have to go to this particular praise place. Um, let's go through your unconfessed sin. I have some thoughts. Oh, certainly, certainly <laughs> so, must be. And then there's not just like the Christian solutions. It's always it must be something I ate. It must be everybody has their reasons for why it's the me. oil, the right not oil. And, yeah. Everyone whose cousin has a, just discovered essential oils right, and is like really right. excited about them. Right. And I that's really interesting. Everyone thinks it's me and not them. Like. Everyone's assuming there's something you could control in your yeah. body to make this better. Yeah, I guess maybe that always feels like a big dividing point with people's intentions. Because mm. some people just can't bear to let you suffer because it would it would break a, a a belief they have that yeah. that everything can always be fixed. Yeah, yeah. And that feels like that to me feels like an unfair way to saddle suffering people with like be like, hey, I understand that's your theological problem. I'm just <laughs> trying to like have cancer and be a mom and love God right now. Right. But thanks right. so much for this. I, I did, but like, I'll take the the neutral bullet if yeah. it makes a good. I'll take the I mean, blender. If you're giving away blenders because you're scared for me. Fine, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I will take it. <laughs> I like draw the line of crystals, but but it's a whole. I mean, it's a it's such a wide range of people with their formulas. I think what I love is when people's cultivation of hope comes just straight out of love, yeah, and less out of obsessive certainty, yeah. And when when you wrote No Cure for Being Human, I mean, I love when you got here, you were like, the ending, spoiler alert, I lived. <laughs> I lived. Don't worry. I lived. <laughs> what do you hope happens with this one compared yeah. to the compared to yeah. everything happens for a reason? Why is this one different? It reads different, but Yeah. I guess when I first got sick, I was trying to everything happens for a reason felt like I was trying to think through the why. Yeah. Like, why is this happening? I was living this huge crisis. Yeah. I was really scared. Oh, my gosh. I'm but sure. I really wanted to figure out how to, like, live with it. Mm-hmm. And no cure for being human is sort of, it just became um, what happens when life is a chronic condition. Right. When we're all just stuck with befores and afters and yeah. you can't go back. Yeah. So you have to find a way forward. Well, then what? And there's a lot of advice for that. Just be present, yeah. hustle, or, you know, like there's there's, a, there's so many formulas for that. I realized I think I need a minute to ask myself, how do we live here now with the things we can't fix mm. and still be people of hope and courage? Yes. A friend of mine, we've been talking a lot about how our bodies don't lie. Do you think that's a true statement? Hmm. Hmm. You know— what did you? I, I, I. What a wonderful. What did you? What were you thinking when you said it? 
Well, she was hoping that her body would do the thing in front of the doctor that it's been doing without the doctor there. Yeah. So that she could get diagnosed correctly. Yeah. And I had a migraine yesterday. And so I ended up missing the whole day of work in a very inconvenient time for me to miss a day of work. Yeah. And and there's just not much you can do. Yes. When your body decides that it can't do. Yes. Right? And so I've just been thinking about yeah. how we need to trust our bodies more because I just don't think they lie. I think yeah. they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. My brain can tell me, you can keep going, get up, go. You, you got plenty of things to do. You can get it all done. And then my body says, let me actually tell you the truth. That's super wise. Is that true? I, Is that what you've experienced? I, think, I mean, even though your body has cancer in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I am not picking. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's such a that is such a big truth that I think the the idea that our bodies are telling us truths mm-hmm. is a wonderful counterbalance to this overly therapeutic Christianity that we've mm-hmm. inherited. Where if we're all mindset, yes. if we're all you know positivity over reality, mm-hmm. then we don't let our bodies tell the truth. Yeah. So I think that's like a wonderful corrective to obsessively positive things that are that I which I love that is the pool I swim in so you know I think what's one of the things I love about no cure for being human because I think it is such an idea of yes we're supposed to persevere and also your body tells the truth yeah yes we should have hope don't have toxic positivity yes yes we should pray and believe that everything happens don't don't give up on God when the things don't turn out I mean we are just and your book does this beautifully but the role of being a human is to but is to yes and everything yeah. we experience. Yeah. Yes. And if and if we always knew that everything was always going to work out, we wouldn't need hope and we wouldn't need <laughs> right. courage. We would just have like a straight path. Right. And like so I I think I mean that is you love bravery. My dear. I am getting on. I'm getting on board. <laughs> I, I, I mean I don't love the act of it. It still wears me all the way out. But I, 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 the fruit of that tree has turned out pretty tasty for my life. I, I really like that, hon. That to me feels like not just sort of endless, big, everything is possible horizon, but just Mm -hmm. like learning a step forward into the unknown, even like this. Yeah. What did we not say that you want to make sure we say? Annie, this was a complete delight. Oh, I loved it. I just love being in the same place as you. It makes me so happy. It's such a gift. I can't wait for people to read No Cure for Being Human. Happy launch week. I hope it is really fun. Our last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Taste tests. Oh. I. What? I get, I've been getting, I've been having this really, it's kind of like, you know, stressful garbage health season. And I just find that the more I have to deal with that nonsense, I really just want to have like taste test parties. Yeah. And so. I'd like to Please try. Please look at Craig's face. He's so confused. It's the best. It is the best. He was like, huh? Yeah. But keep going. Like French I, fries from every restaurant. Hush puppies. Hush I've been puppies. trying six kinds of barbecue. Like I. <laughs> Very I, North Carolina I, of you. I, yeah. I bet they're living it up. You trying all that barbecue. Like I, I know this doesn't really make any sense, but when I was recently just passed over this in silence, bitten by a poisonous snake. Okay. I was on drugs. And apparently during that time, I contacted a bunch of people <laughs> to have a taste test party. <laughs> So a barbecue? Is that the barbecue I, one? Well, I was, uh, was like, I think it was honestly for like something really specific. I was okay. like, guys, we should try a lot of halibut. Do, yeah. I, do I even know what that tastes like? <laughs> Unclear. I am not going to skip over you getting bit by a poisonous snake. Are you all right? Sure, yeah. Where did I it was, bite you? 
on my leg. Oh. I was envenomated, which means I got like uh, Did like, someone suck it out of your leg? Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be sexy though? I would I yeah. wanted that to be the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I I had to I, it was it was actually a lot of fun to be able to walk into a hospital and utter the words. I've been poisoned. Right, right. And they were like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and then the drugs for it were $100,000. No. And I lived in the emergency room for two days, and I met all kinds of lovely people. Yeah. And uh, it was, on the whole, a surprisingly positive experience. When it happened, were you like, come on? I, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I Honestly, I couldn't stop laughing. I went in. During the intake process, I was like, guys, this really hurts, but you can't tell because I think it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, let me tell you this other part. Cancer. Cancer. I was like, when it calmed down, I was like, guys, I feel like I should break it to you. (laughs) You're going to get some things back on that blood test. But I'm going to tell you, you're not telling me something I don't know. It's like, I don't know how to describe myself as an unlucky person in a way that you'll understand. (laughs) Are we allowed to laugh about this? Yes. Okay. I'm just making sure. That is very funny. Okay, bit by snake. Taste testing. Okay, so while you're in Nashville, <laughs> great summary. There's a place called Ladybird Taco. Yeah. I would like you to do a taste test at Ladybird Taco if you can. And yeah. just try three of their different tacos. That sounds it's like, very close to here. I don't know who else you're eating with, but that sounds so fun. We can work it out or you, I don't know what else your life is, but it is great. <laughs> It's great. It's like the best breakfast tacos. So you can try like three different ones or something. Yes, please. It makes you happy. Yeah. Ladybird. Okay. Thanks for doing this. I yeah, love you, friend. You are the absolute best. I'm so grateful. I can't wait for people to read this. No cure for being human. There is no, but you write, I feel like I'm reading Anne Lamott. And I feel like I'm reading, like like every time I read you, I think, I need a whole Saturday with nothing else to do. <laughs> because I just want to, it, you're just such a fine writer. Yeah. So thank you for telling the story to me. Oh, you guys, don't you love her? Oh, my gosh, she's just so special. She's so special. I I could not get enough of her. I adore her. Hey, make sure you pick up a copy of No Cure for Being Human. And make sure you're following Kate. Tell her thanks so much for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Have a great couple of days and we will see you back here on Friday. See you then. Yeah.